can feel my face when I'm with you. And I like it. Did you just get off work, idiot, Jordan? You're not an idiot. I don't know why I said that. No, I got done at like probably quarter to five, and I had to go to my mom's house to get my suit for tomorrow because I just left it there after we got it and then went over to Amy's parents to have some pizza with her and then came here. Did you go to Gentleman's Warehouse? No. Men's Warehouse? Men's Warehouse. No. (laughs) I'm going to like the way you look. I guarantee you. No, uh, you went to Herbie's. No, Herbie's Ma- Haberdashery. Macy's. Macy's oh, Haberdashery. Okay. I mean, I do like Jaime's Haberdashery in St. Paul. Sure. It's Is that what you were thinking expensive? of? Because yeah. that's what I was thinking yeah. of, too. The, uh, okay, so you've confirmed it that, in fact, Macy's does still exist. Yeah. I love Macy's. I wasn't quite sure who was still No, Macy's is thriving. Sears is the one that's gone. Macy's is the only place I can get decently priced 501s in my size. We will get right back to that, but hello <laughs> and welcome to another episode of the Bumblebutt Podcast, the only podcast on the internet that uploads weekly. Who knows what it'll be about? Certainly not me. My name is Adam, sitting across from me. First this week is Cody. Hello. Even though it's your episode, I'm going <laughs> to introduce you first. Okay. Uh, what have you been up to? Just working and losing uh, blood circulation to my feet. Oh, and also losing <laughs> your entire trailer. Yeah. It, uh, what? I refer to it as my office, by yeah. the way. Yes, your rolling office. <laughs> that doesn't really roll anymore. First, the air compressor goes out, yeah. and then today the uh, the electrical circuit was malfunctioning. Right. And it caused... My partner to get very angry. That's Brad. The who we've uh, mentioned before. You, you saw my text, right? Yes. Yeah, literally at the end of the day, he's turning bright red. And I'm like, why? Are you, why are you so mad? He and he immediately is like, you set me up. I'm oh. like, me and Adam were just talking about this over oh. there, and I he we're like, he's gonna accuse me of doing this. And he's like, no, no, no. He came up with this big conspiracy theory about it. I'm just like, oh, he wait, he outthought yeah, you knowing said, it was going to be a conspiracy already. He said, "There's no way you could have told me that it was dead because somehow I I don't know I would have had to or he I would have had to talk to you before he talked to you or something like that. No, he had talked to me like I don't know. like six minutes before I he was walked past. I literally <laughs> gave up to you. I'm like, hey, have you seen Brad? Yeah. He's like, yeah, he's complaining about Alexis or something. Yeah. I'm like, oh, no. It's going to be my fault. Mm-hmm. I know it already. No, and, you, of course, it was. You called it 100%. You <laughs> it happens it. every time. That's anxiety, people. If mm. you start, if you think people are purposely trying to fuck you for no reason, yeah. you have anxiety. Yeah. You have anxiety, and you need to get that addressed. <laughs> Thank you very much, Cody. That was an enlightening uh, introduction. Thank you. You Thank are here. You. It's your episode. We'll get to you in a minute. Hell, yeah. Also sitting across me is the bam, 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 soon yes. to be birthday, uh, married. <laughs> <laughs> soon to be married. It's Jordan. Hello. Hey, buddy. You were also all four members of Between the Bumbles this week. Yes, I was. Yes, you were. So, I mean, the audience all, already knows everything that's going Jordans. on. All Jordans. The audience knows everything that's going on. Uh, Jordan, how does it feel to be. On the precipice of <laughs> the rest of your life. It feels good. Does it feel scary? Honestly, it does not. Does it feel correct? Yes. Does it feel like the small bastard driving around inside of her will live a happy, productive life with two great parents? 
Very much so. That's what I, I like to hear. I believe in him. Me too. I believe in him. Me too. You know what? You know they... what? She hates Wisconsin. Mm. I talked to her on Instagram a little bit, so <laughs> me and her are good. I don't know about that little Christmas ornament. That's the one. Where it's yeah. Minnesota and Wisconsin with a heart in there. I don't know about all that. I said, <laughs> I said it looks pretty good, except for that big tumor on the east side. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what was this? Okay, you is that a thing you can't see the bride the night before the wedding is that it's like an old school thing yeah it's pretty pretty classic yeah is it okay i figured people kind of quit doing that stuff at the one i officiated it was definitely like that but luckily she stayed at her parents house which was right across the backyard from her house so that was really Mm. a fucking slam dunk easy peasy is this to stop them from fornicating the night before their wedding you know i just don't know i know jordan break it down no i think it's kind of like an old wives tale where like if you spend the night before it's not gonna work out or something mm. i don't know okay i like well, the way the mungs do it where they that? kidnap the girl for two weeks <laughs> and hold her hostage <laughs> <laughs> and then if she's like down with it after those two weeks then they spend a week at her house and then they get married okay i'm pretty sure that's how it is i'll have to check maybe they don't call it kidnapping maybe it's like it's, a role-play kidnapping? From what I've heard, you and your homies roll up to her house and you fucking take her by force and put her and take her with you. Oh, okay. <laughs> Maybe that might not be a tradition for everybody. <laughs> but I'm not going to hate. But it's a tradition for some. That's yes, right. okay. Now, Jordan, a few more nuptial questions for you. Yes. Who are you wearing tomorrow? Uh, God, I can't remember. Sean John. Sean John? No. Fubu? Oh, <laughs> uh, it's right on the tip of my tongue. Echo. It's South Pole. It's literally in my car. That's the name of the company? Literally no. in my car. <laughs> it's literally in my car. Right like, all there. I'd have to do is go up some steps, then down some steps. Joseph A. Banks. Probably. No. Probably Jose Banks. <laughs> is it Thomas Hillenfigure? No, I can't remember. Is it Ralph Lauren? It was almost Ralph Lauren. And then you saw the price tag? Ah, uh, well, it was Black Friday, so it wasn't oh. that Wait, is Polo or Ralph Lauren still expensive? Yes. Is it really? Oh. Mm. I thought they oh, died God, out yeah. a while ago. I have a pair of jeans that I just bought. Yeah. Thank you very much, Johnny. Older brother Johnny. Yeah, he had yeah. a Thanks, friends Johnny. and family coupon, 40% off on top of 20% off. So I got me a $120 pair of jeans for $50, baby. Okay, now... I've never purchased a pair of pants that expensive. Is it worth it? Yes, Yes, it is. I hate to be that guy. But between that and the pants I got from Vance, shout out Vance, the Magnificent Seven, wonderful, what's it called? Uh, Seven for All Mankind. Seven for All Mankind. They were $260 jeans. Most comfortable fucking, fucking pants that I've worn. They don't feel like jeans. They feel like comfortable pants. Yeah. Like, I... I don't even know how many years ago, but one of my old co-workers, he gave me a pair of his Polo by Ralph Lauren <laughs> jeans because he said they were too tight and we had like the same waist size and everything. So like, I was like, fucking yeah, I'll take like a free pair I'll of fucking hundred that. and some dollar jeans. Mm. To well, this day, those are the most comfortable mm. jeans I've ever worn. Did you correct your friend by saying if you wear the same size, they shouldn't be too tight for him and not too tight for you? Oh, no, they were tighter than he likes. <laughs> oh, oh, he's a loose-waisted So he's man. got a bigger dinger than you do, I probably. think it's probably yeah. a bigger salon. <laughs> he, he didn't like the legs hugging. Well, Jordan, I'm really happy that you, you 
are going to be swinging your dinger. Mm. You know what? We're gonna. I want to check back up in like six months because the pants thing. My biggest thing is the longevity. Yes. Of them. If if they split in the crotch, yes. I'll be the first to complain about it. Those I think pol- I just had a big booger fall out of my nose. <laughs> I didn't see it. So, so the oh, polos- I just spit water upwards somehow. <laughs> you know those pair of polo jeans I had. They lasted me a solid year and a half of almost everyday use. That's before all you they can ask for. Out. That's all you can ask for. All right. I Although will- I will say I do love me some denizens from uh, Target. Like I, they're I've basically never heard of them. unfamiliar. They're Made by Levi's, it's like their budget line or whatever, mm. but they have like five or ten percent elastic in them, mm. and they're like very soft. They're so that's actually what I have on now for my work pants. <laughs> You're rocking Target pants for work pants? Hell yeah! I just I will, had to find some beat up jeans that I had. I will say this: I bought cheapy jeans off Amazon. The fucking. Uh, I don't know what they are. Maybe like Levi or something like $25. And you know how much I kneel on the ground Mm -hmm. and stuff. No holes in the knees yet. No tears in the crotch. So I don't know. They're not fashionable by any means. Did you get some like 501s or what? I don't know. You probably got Lee's. Oh, yeah, like maybe Walmart that's where they are. Yeah, but they're wow. really cheap, and I I yeah. always destroy every mm-hmm. pants I wear to work. But mm-hmm. uh, I've had these for maybe six months, no holes yet. I mean, I wouldn't wear them in public because right, they're just right. like the most yeah. hideous straight silo jeans you've ever seen. Not going to be gallivanting around in your potato sack jeans. And Adam, you mentioned earlier that Macy's was the only place you could get like decently priced 501s in your size. Go down to the Egan Outlet Mall and hit the loop. They don't have them at the Levi's store? They do, right? (laughs) But I I hate going there. I hate walking there and then I hate walking across the street to the goddamn place. Okay, In the middle of winter, is it still packed? There was a bunch of people there Ugh. when and I went there. you gotta walk outside and shit. No. And I went to the Adidas store. I was hoping I could get a cheap pair of kicks, but pff, didn't work out. I feel like nothing's even that much cheaper than the regular store. Doesn't seem that way. <laughs> uh, I don't get the it. The Adidas store is, I think. Now, maybe we should all go to an outlet center and, I don't know, shop. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Well, this intro has gone on quite a while. We're at about 12 minutes. Ooh, Just before we duh. hop in... Uh, just uh, take a quick second to talk about that Patreon, patreon.com slash bumblebuttpodcast. I'm looking at the new stickers right now, the Faustmas theme. Prince. Prince, sorry. Prince, Prince, Prince. Prince. Not <laughs> stickers, boys. No, no. I'm looking at them right now, and they are gorgeous. So oh, get yeah. in on that $15 Bowling for Satan level. If you want yours, we have a few more in case people sign Absol- up at that level. Absolutely. I mean... Do we want to keep it a mystery, or this one doesn't have the mystique of the cock tattoo? So I think we could talk about it if we want. We can just say for now it's a Faustmas theme. Okay. Maybe once are. they roll out to our first Patreon, Patreon we'll let them have the first yeah. right of refusal on Maybe this one. Maybe next, yes. next week is the annual Faustmas, right. so then we can talk about right. it more. So. Right. Yep. No, that's. I think these are great. We're going to get them signed, and we're going to get them in the mail. So <laughs> oh, yeah. Get on that fucking uh, Patreon. Get on there. Hell, yeah. Patreon.com. Bumble Podcast. Cody, take it away. All right. So we're picking up with, uh, obviously, Soapy Smith Part 2. Essentially, where we left off is Soapy was just returning to Denver because his friends told him all the quote-unquote corruption cleanup was uh, done in Denver. 
he could come back. But come on back. Right when he got there, remember the populist uh, governor. What was that bastard's name? Davison Hanson Wait. That's right. That populist party son oh, of a bitch. Yeah, populist party. Can we bring this back, the I, populist party? Well, now that we got impeachment looming, <laughs> I don't see why not. You know the Whig party? Remember yeah. that? Oh, yeah. I wonder, did that morph into a different party or is that just dead? Didn't they kind of go Tea Party a is little bit? Is that what it is? I don't okay. know. Man, I don't know about, enough about the Whigs anymore. <laughs> Let's bring it back. <laughs> so anyway, we're going to... We're going to start off with what Governor Waite is going to do to Denver. Yes. So one of his first orders in 1894 was to remove Jackson Orr and DJ Martin of the Denver Fire and Police Board, who were straight up refusing to enforce any of the gambling laws (laughs) that he had imposed to make matters worth. Worse, both men were refusing to leave their position, and then because of them, several other government workers said, I'm not leaving either. Mm, this Fuck sounds you. like I'm a- sorry, we're going to have to let both of you go, nah, we're good, we're going to keep our job. <laughs> In fact, we're going to have all our friends help us, too. No, this is not what you want, this is a coup, my friend. Is that, is that the correct term for it? I mean, that's what it looks like right now. Well, when we get through these next few sections, um... We'll see if, Adam, if you and I, if, if our company, this could happen, we'll find out here well, in a minute. We can be we can be the change we want to see, you Cody. Leave, you leave, we'll see if uh, Mr. Davis sends in the military. <laughs> <laughs> he was so determined to get rid of all the corruption in Denver, Governor Waite called on the state militia to forcibly remove them from Denver City Hall. (laughs) Jesus. On March 15th, 1894, the state militia, federal troops, two cannons, and a Gatlin gun made their way to Denver. It's not good when the state and the feds come in. (laughs) That's when you know that you might be in the wrong. When when both when they are now cooperating to remove you from a building <laughs> yeah. with a Gatling gun and two cannons, can you imagine? You and I are at work and a, two cannons and a Gatling gun just pull off. <laughs> you I, must leave the trailer now, <laughs> Cody. <laughs> I'm not leaving. God damn it! Now in 1894, what are you going to be more afraid of—the two cannons or the Gatling cannons. gun? Cannons. Sounds yeah, fucking yeah. awful. Because the Gatling gun can't probably penetrate through the walls quite as well as a cannon and just blow that shit up if you're hiding inside. I don't want to get blown in half by a cannon (laughs) and still be alive a little bit. That sounds (laughs) fucking terrible to me. They can't aim cannons that good, so maybe you have that on your And they don't blow up like in the movies. No. It's it's just a hard-ass ball hitting you. (laughs) (laughs) So, obviously, Soapy was siding with the corrupt government workers, so he hatched a plan. He and his gang raided all of the hardware stores and pawn shops, (laughs) collecting all of the firearms they could, as well as 500 pounds of dynamite. That's going to get some shit done. Jesus. (laughs) It was just like, okay, this is a coup. Yeah. This is a fucking coup. When a gangster is now raiding hardware stores for guns. (laughs) Well, I think the pawn shops are the guns. Yeah, the hardware store might be the fertilizer hey, for the if dynamite. if you play Red Dead, well, no, you re- can buy guns at a hardware store. That's right, but you so. can't buy TNT unless you go to the shady man in the see? back of the barn. Yeah, see? Mm-hmm. So the following morning, Soapy and his gang took their positions out looking second-story windows at rooftops 
all around City Hall with tons of other men waiting within City Hall itself, just waiting for the government troops to arrive. This is exciting. It is. Joining Soapy's gang was obviously the entire police force and fire department. <laughs> Against the military. What's yeah. an 1894 fire department going to do? Squirt them with a hose? Yeah. That's well, basically a super soaker? When I, when I think of old time fire department, I think of gangs of New York. Bucket where, Brigade? Yeah, where yep. they don't fuck around. <laughs> they don't just sit around and play hacky sack in the uh-huh. parking lot no, here. They're not eating chili. We should ask Justin if he would do this. Dude, I bet he would. <laughs> so Soapy also set up what he would call powder men, <laughs> and they were in charge of throwing dynamite. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> they ain't playing in Denver. When the militia finally arrived, they would make their way all the way up to City Hall, making sure to plant the cannon pointing directly at the front door. This is my key. <laughs> now, Soapy was smart. He told everybody, Do not fire or throw explosives unless they do first. Mm. And so, a standoff ensued. Mm. Now, Governor Waite apparently knew this could end up in a bloodbath, so he finally withdrew the militia and waited for the Colorado Supreme Court to rule on the matter instead. (sighs) Less sexy, but probably a little safer. You could have took it by force, and instead you got to wait for the rule. I I was hoping for an old-timey Wild West just massacre. Police and fire versus army with gangster support to Mm. keep two corrupt politicians in office. (laughs) It's fucking wonderful. Don't worry, Jordan. At the very end, you will get your Wild West shootout. We're getting one at the end. end. Now, this may come as no surprise, but they would rule in favor of Governor Waite. Weird. Saying that he had the power to replace these people from their positions. (laughs) As the governor. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So... He finally did just that and began closure of all of Denver's gambling dens. But somehow, Soapy found a way to combat this a little bit. It seemed that either Soapy was the deputy sheriff or he had the deputy sheriff in his pocket. They're not, like, nobody knows for sure? I, I don't know. That's but crazy. When you hear this next part, it's hard to say who is doing it. So, under the guise of closing the gambling dens, he would arrest those who had lost him large sums of money in his rigged poker games. They had two options. Go to jail or repay the money that they had lost. For them, it was a pretty easy decision. Jeez. Oh, my God. <laughs> you ripped off my ripoff, you son of a bitch. <laughs> You're going to jail. That's clever, though. It's That's my smart. favorite. My favorite is, like, history is so blurred. Nobody knows that, nobody knows if the, if Soapy was deputized or not, <laughs> no. or if he just had the sheriff in his pocket. Somehow he was tri- getting these people to pay him. That's I, I don't so know. amazing. <laughs> it had been about five years since Soapy had returned to Denver, and he was finding it increasingly more difficult to continue his businesses. The police were slowly prying more into his activities and not just allowing him to do whatever he wanted as before. His corrupt political friends were even more reluctant to help him because they feared losing voters. Mm. Nothing more scary than losing Mm. voters. Not when you're a politician. (laughs) 
Soapy seemed to be spending much of his time attempting to keep his cohorts out of trouble, and his profits were on a steady decline. It seemed Denver's reforms were finally taking over, and it was no longer a place for Soapy Smith. Mm. Before Soapy would leave Denver, his brother ba- Bascom and him <laughs> had a little bit of a crazy night. Now, in our first ep- episode, we mentioned authors, and they wrote this about their night. His brother Bascom accompanied him on the outbreak. <laughs> first, they visited the arcade, where they encountered Johnny Hughes, a square gambler and peaceful citizen. For no apparent reason other than the impulse to become violent, Bascom struck Hughes a vicious blow to the head, fracturing his skull. <laughs> Ooh. From the arcade, the brothers went on a hunt for the chief of police who had advocated (laughs) running them both out of town, but their search was in vain, so they turned to other enjoyable pursuits. Crashing into the institutions, they put to flight the proprietors of half a dozen gambling houses where they had lost money. (laughs) At the chicken coop, players and dealers leaped through doors and windows to escape the now raging raiders, who emptied their revolvers into the walls and ceiling. As a final act, they heaved an empty beer keg through the front windows of the Casablanca Saloon. A low, a low dive then frequented by white slavers and challenged the occupants to come out into the street. Come at me, bro. Then realizing that only speed would enable them to escape the consequences of their mad foray, the brothers separated. That sounds like a, a hell of a night. <sighs> That's turning up. Can you imagine someone just shooting up a place there was just like diving out the window? Give me my fucking money back! God. Is it possible this could happen at Wabasha Brewing tomorrow night? Tomorrow night. I'm going to say no. Well, <laughs> Your then. mom's not going to come in through the two swingy doors with their six shooters shooting up the place? Listen, my grandma would be the one to do okay. that. Okay, all right. She got swingy doors too? Well, I mean, my grandma's a wild card. You never okay. know. <laughs> she might be launching apple pies at people. I'm guessing she's going to be the one with the shotgun mm. when you're getting married. Yes. Oh, God, Only yeah. <laughs> now, Soapy would manage to escape, but his brother Bascom would not be so lucky. Now, Bascom was arrested and charged with murderous assault and sentenced to serve a year in county jail. Hmm. I'm going to say that's not that bad of a sentence for that. For shooting up a saloon and everything else? (laughs) Or the chicken coop, I'm assuming that's a saloon. Yeah, illegal gambling den. So being that Soapy was now a wanted man in Colorado, he headed to Houston, followed by traveling around Texas swindling people all throughout the state. It's a big one. I would not try to swindle people in Texas. They're all packing. Soapy's dangerous, too, kind of, I guess. Even in 1894, guess what? They're going to chase you down in their King Ranch F-250. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) Why is there so many of them in Minnesota, then? I don't know. Why? Stay in Texas. We don't want your King Ranches. Or the Harley-Davidson edition. You can keep those, too. Yeah, I haven't seen one of those in a while. You know what? If I ever needed an F-250, I'd just buy... A normal F-250. Cloth seats. Mm. (laughs) So Soapy was on the run at this point and needed to find another place to set up his operation. It just so happened there was a perfect spot. Corrupt and lawless and plumb full of suckers with money to be swindled. And that place was... Alaska, Ooh. who was experiencing the Klondike Gold Rush. Yeah. Now, well, here we wasn't go. there something kind of like this in North Dakota when, like, the big oil rush hit? I don't know what like, year. 
I don't know, like... 2010? Yeah, somewhere around there. Because <laughs> I know I read stories about, like, hookers from the cities were, like, going up mm. to the sex oil camps. Sex workers. Yeah, Sorry. sex workers. Yeah, we're going up to the oil camps because the dudes were just making too much, like, so much money and they didn't have to pay for housing because the companies put them up yep. that they were like, yeah, fuck, 200 bucks to, you know, get my dick wet? All right. Yep. I, I can confirm that my cousin works in uh, for the oil fields in Alaska right now. Fuck. And he says so many of those dudes, they have so much money and there's nothing to do in Alaska that they basically just blow all their fucking money uh, in junk, like the strip club or on mm, booze yeah. or just on stupid shit. Mm. So you got to, like he told me, you got to be smart and just yeah. kind of... Well, he's... uh. He's supporting an entire town with his yeah, with said, his work. What with did his he labor. say? He he works at the oil rig. He's the postmaster, and he has one other job. He has Hell three yeah. jobs in the little Hell oil yeah. mining Jesus. town, and he pays at least five strippers' rent. <laughs> Probably <laughs> he throws ones at the club. <laughs> so I wanted to go into the Klondike Gold Rush a little bit. I would like could, if you would. We just we don't have time. There's too much of oh. soapy left. Damn I it. wanted to, but I, we would run out of time. All unfortunately. right. Well, so. you know what? I'm going to do an episode on the Klondike Gold Please Rush. Please do because it is insane. These people are fucking insane. We're just focusing on one little town. This Imagine is one tiny. All right. One yeah. town. Imagine all of Alaska going through this. I shit, bet some so. people got killed. Oh, for sure they did. <laughs> now, was it in this town during the Klondike Gold Rush that the delicious ice cream treat was created? It mm. could be. Did, what was their theme song? What would What'd you do, do for, for a Klondike bar? Gotta say, not that impressed. I think it was Family Guy. Yeah. They were like, I'd murder a man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you guys have to read um, Call of the Wild? Yes. That's probably. about the gold rush, right? It was. And the guy and his dogs and whatever. But yeah, unfortunately, I can't. All I can tell you, basically, is it started in 1891, and at this point, it's 1897. Things are drying up. That's what that's what a lot of people were really afraid of because the news was so slowly getting to them in the lower 48 right. eight saying that that they were afraid shit was going to dry up by the time they could even fucking get there. Mm. But for Soapy, it might have just been the perfect time. <laughs> so Soapy was hanging out in Seattle waiting to board the Steamer Queen that was going to take him to Alaska. <laughs> Let's have a little more creative name here, people. So he just so happened to run into former Leadville Police Chief Willis Loomis. That's not good. We talked about him in the first episode. <laughs> so Soapy told him, I've got a great proposition. I'm going to Skagway and do the same thing I did at Creed. <laughs> I'm going to be the boss of that town. I know exactly how to go about it, and if you'll come along, I'll make you a chief of police. When you were the kid chief in Leadville, you kept order and were always sober. You had nerve, too. That's the kind of man I want in Skagway. Besides, you can make a fortune there. <laughs> so Loomis replied, I can see your finish before you start. It's going to be tough for you. And if you want to live long, you'll take my advice and stay away. You'll come to a bad end with that gang of yours. Somebody's going to call your bluff. Mark my words. Soapy said. Skagway's for me. 
And it won't be long before you'll be reading about me in the newspapers. <laughs> I like how Soapy's a little condescending to him. Mm. You were just a kid chief. Kid Let's yeah. get you the big chief here. What a dick. <laughs> Come on, you want to wear some, wear some real, like, 32 waist instead of 16 husky, <laughs> oh, bud? No shit. I'll get you a pair of Ralph Lauren's you can wear up there. <laughs> $120 pants, man. Move from Oshkosh Begosh into Levi. Mm. I wonder what kind of, what was the pant company back then? Mother. Probably Levi's. Do you think so? Grandma. <laughs> Mom sewed me up a new pair of pants, fellas. What do you think? <laughs> probably Sears and Roebuck, huh? Why yeah, do the bottoms probably. of those look like bells? <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be the 70s in 70 years. I got to get ready. With that, Soapy would board the ship and head off to Skagway. Now, Soapy didn't have much money at this point, so he only brought a few select gang members, including Reverend Bowers, mm. Slim Jim... <laughs> Red Gibbs, Sid Dixon, and George Wilder. Hell yes, he picked the best fucking ones. Hell yeah. He's going to start a Motley Crue cover band and be like the best gang. I I saw on Instagram today, it was the cover band for Guns N' Roses that was touring in Minnesota or something. It's called like Smoking Bones or some shit oh, like that. Oh, God. Are you going to go? Fuck did, no, did you, you get me? good discount tickets? I'm pretty sure you could see the real Guns N' Roses starring only Axl Rose. They're probably pretty cheap. No, the entire original band is back together right now. Including Slash? Yeah. Wow. I'll say Slash, he did a lot of other projects that were pretty yeah. successful. Velvet Revolver. Yeah, mm. I thought there was another one. That's all in. I can think of. Uh, well, mm. Good on you. Now, Skagway was a mining town that had popped up as a direct result of the gold rush by 1898 it would have an estimated population of eight to 10,000 people, wow. which was the largest city in Alaska by, for, by far at this time, mind you. Now, I looked it up on the map. Still does exist. If you do you know how Juneau is kind of below where Canada kind of chops off Alaska. Yeah. Skagway is like tucked way into the corner right on the border of Canada. Okay. So uh-huh. it's it's still there. Yeah. You can still visit it. And it actually looks like a nice town, but uh, we're going to learn it's not quite nice in this time period. Not when there was 10,000 skags uh, running <laughs> no, around in Skagway. No. <laughs> when I hear Skagway, all I can think about is Borderlands. Cause I think the town, yeah. name, name of the town is Skagway, I think. Well, isn't the... That's what those fucking uh, those little dog monsters things. are called, yeah. Little doggy things, mm, skags, yeah. yeah. Now, the authors wrote this about Skagway. Fugitives from justice, glib-tongued confidence men, <laughs> gamblers, hold-ups, belligerent plug-uglies and toughs, thieves newly freed from prison, and desperados whose hands were stained with blood. All joined the throng to snatch the gold from the honest hands which had brought it to light. <laughs> Dance hall girls from the infamous Barbary coast of San Francisco were there as entertainers. Their men dealing cards, throwing dice, or spinning the roulette wheels. New saloons and hangouts sprang up daily, established in tents or any sort of crude structure at the outset. But here, as elsewhere, the hammer and saw of the carpenter were kept busy day and night. And soon the city of tents became a city of framed buildings. The author continued talking about how lawless Skagway was. The federal law prohibited traffic in liquor. The law was totally disregarded. (laughs) Drinking places in Skagway multiplied until they numbered more than 70. 
most of them with gaming tables and dance halls attached, where unbridled vice and crimes were the rule. Strong-arm robberies frequently punctuated with ruthless murder became daily incidents in the city and on the open trails, unpunished and unchecked. Confidence men operated with the slightest restraint. Every crook plied his craft unmolested. So this sounds like the fucking Ooh. place to be. I want to be there. I want a party yeah. here. I want a six gun and a cool hat, and <laughs> yeah. I want to walk around this place. You could totally like relive a Wild West fantasy. This is Westworld right here. Oh, yes, yeah. it is. <laughs> Minus the robots. Yes, thank goodness. Well, I kind of wanted to fuck a robot. Robots <laughs> fucking humans. Hey, if they eventually make something like Westworld, would you guys yes. totally do it? Yes. Fuck. It sounded pretty fun. Yes, and I would go on the quest. The Remember in quest? season one yeah. where I was like, yeah. we're going to do the fucking quest. Well, that's the only part of the show I wanted was like the cool part where they're yeah. at the cool part and yeah. not the second season which was ugh. I didn't even watch it. Is it bad? <sighs> yeah, it's stupid, okay. man. Okay. I thought the ending of the first season was a little weird. And stupid. Uh, yeah. And, and predictable. It... But they wanted it to be deep as fuck, but it was still predictable and sloppy. That, that, I couldn't even watch the second season because I watched the first episode of Sex Scene. I'm like, this is, I don't really like the head robot that much. Yeah. So I'm like, this is just boring. I wanted to see them get into the other sections mm-hmm. the samurai world mm-hmm. and whatever else was oh there. man when they ran past those dead samurai robots that were just sitting there i was like yes let's go to fucking feudal world bro i, I can tell he's never watched it you are correct <laughs> he looks very confused right now i mean no i know like the premise of it and everything i just have not gotten around to watch it, it it's the first season's pretty rad it it's makes, cool it makes you be like this would be the best fucking theme park ever yep but uh, yep. obviously, it's like a, I don't know. Did you feel bad for the robots, like yes. what they were doing for yes. me? Yeah, I think that's kind of the point they're trying to get across. Yeah, there. they hammered that home, and yeah. it worked. I felt <laughs> bad for them. <laughs> so anyway, as you can probably guess, this was the perfect spot for someone like Soapy to thrive at his craft. Soapy began, as he usually did, with the infamous Shell, ca- shell Game Con mm-hmm. and Three Card Monty. It's a good starter. Get your feet wet. <laughs> yep. But what would really help him establish himself was when he helped a man who was accused of murder and was being and was set to be lynched. Soapy demanded he deserved a fair trial. Now, now what Soapy came to find out was that the man he had just stood up for had murdered a man that left behind a widow whom literally gave birth to their child on the same day he died mm. whether actually feeling bad for the mother or child we don't know but no no soapy would begin a fundraiser that would raise seven hundred dollars for the widow and child hmm for some reason this seemed to get help him get his name out there and really helped him win the favor with the locals. It Did kinda, he later turn around and say, like, yeah, hang that, dude? <laughs> I can only assume. Maybe he's just, like, maybe they were, like, rushing him into town and they're trying to string him up. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold he on. trial. Yeah. Then they found out, okay, maybe he should have hung this yeah. guy because he just Well, shit. You know, he demanded justice. Yeah. Uh, and then as a reward for that, he, he helped the... The widow and the dear child. He definitely likes to portray himself as kind of like a saint, mm. but he's secretly a sinner and like kind of like a Robin Hood. Yeah, basically. Yeah. So, 
I it's, it never really says if he actually gave a shit about the mother and child, but it really helped him. Fuck, seven hundred bucks at that time? Yeah. Are you kidding me? That's yeah. a lot. That's a fucking lot. So Soapy then joined for- forces with a man named John Clancy, who is a popular member of the local community. The two then succeeded in getting the town's deputy U.S. marshal on the payroll. Hell yeah! And with that, he began to rebuild his gang. Now that his gang was returning to form, they were swiftly taking control of Skagway the exact same way they did in Creed. He promised it. He promised (laughs) it to the kid chief, didn't he? Yep. They both predicted each other's fate, I'll tell you that much. One of the gang's favorite new cons was setting up a telegraph office. What those who paid for a telegraph to be sent in realized is that it wasn't even actually hooked up. (laughs) The city of Skagway would not actually get a real telegraph for the, for another three years. People are sending their family like important messages. Yeah. I didn't get my, it. My dearest Jane, I love you and I miss you more with each passing day. The soap gang would actually have a pretty solid overall con setup. Let's say you were just arriving in Skagway with hopes of getting rich. You may be approached by a newspaper reporter a clergyman, a businessman, or some other trustworthy citizen and be guided to a location. What you wouldn't realize is that the soap gang members would hide under the guise of these people (laughs) and they were so good at their job that they could guide you right where they could con you out of all of your money. Like the old uh, 17th Street. Yeah. Where if you get past there. Come on in, fella. Head right this way. It's got to help having a reverend in your (laughs) gang. Yep. You instantly trust him. Absolutely. That's a man of the cloth. That's a man I can put my faith in. (laughs) Now, if there was anyone they believe would cause trouble in town or wouldn't be, they wouldn't be able to be recruited by Soapy's gang, Soapy himself would pay for their passage to leave Skagway. (laughs) He had the entire town under his thumb within no time at all, and to further enforce this notion, roughly two months after Soapy's arrival, in March of 1898, together with his newly found partner, Tom, or John Clancy. (laughs) Ooh, they're going to create Rainbow Six now. (laughs) When I heard John Clancy, I'm like, holy shit, it's the author. I almost went to that joke when you said it. I did, too. I was like, how do I work Tom Clancy into this? I can't. (laughs) Anyway, the two would open a saloon he called Jeff Smith's Parlor. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Now, why this particular saloon was more important than any of the others was because it became the headquarters for his criminal empire. Perfect. That's where they had the Gabagool and the Sunday gravy. You go right into the goddamn, the anonymous man's parlor, it might as well be called. Jeff Smith's parlor. I wonder who owns that. (laughs) It's the cousin of that prophet. (laughs) It's a fucking Mormon church. I'm not going anywhere near there. Fuck that shit. If you walked into the establishment and ventured to the very back of the saloon, you would find Soapy's office. This saloon literally would be referred to as the real city hall. (laughs) (laughs) The authors wrote this. From this office, he issued his edicts to his own circle, which quickly discovered that he was prepared to enforce his rule and thereafter accepted his leadership without question. 
Now, while most of the citizens in town just kind of accepted Soapy's rule as just how Skagway was going to be run, there were a few who decided to take a stand against him and formed their own vigilance committee. They would call the Committee of 101, the 101 apparently meaning 101 members strong. Uh, I thought they were just like uh, wild turkey or something. <laughs> just like the Dalmatians. There's <laughs> a, a shitload of fucking dogs in there. Listen, there's this guy in Wisconsin that wants to turn us all into trench coats. <laughs> hey, this, uh, I will say, hmm. every town that he goes to, the citizens always come they always try and say, hey, this is fucked up. We got to get him yeah, out of here. Yeah, eventually. And I like that. I yeah, like that. Get him out of there. So the committee's first course of action was to petition the federal government for assistance in ridding Skagway of crime, vice, and corruption. This will come as no surprise, but the government did not answer the call. <laughs> so the next Way to do your job. <laughs> You're in fucking Alaska, It's going to be hard for him to get up there. <laughs> we just don't care. Oh. <laughs> So the next thing the committee did was post flyers around town demanding that Soapy, his gang m- members, and all other Bunko men leave town immediately or face the consequences. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sure they're, they were about <laughs> to fight the army. <laughs> the flyers read, A warning, a word to the wise should be sufficient. All confident sharks, Bunko men. <laughs> Surthing men and all other objectionable characters are notified to leave Skagway and the White Pass. Failure to comply with this warning will be followed by prompt action. From all we have learned about Soapy, he wasn't just going to sit around and take idle threats. Hmm. So he decided he would form his own committee to combat the Committee of 101. (laughs) He named it. The Law and Order Committee of 303. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. <laughs> I got three times as many men as you. <laughs> and we're the Law and Order Committee. Brought to you by fucking Dick Wolf. What if every time he said bum, it, bum. That, yeah, that little beat went off. So then he posted his own flyers around town that read, Announcement. The business interests of Skagway propose to put a stop to the lawless acts of many newcomers. We hereby summon all good citizens to a meeting at which these matters will be discussed. Come on, come on. Immediate action will be taken for relief. Let this be a warning to those... (laughs) I I swear to God, that's a real Jordan. I swear to God. Chichacos. (laughs) I don't know what that is. Let this be a warning to those Chichacos who are disgracing our city. The meeting will be held at Sylvester Hall at 8 p.m. sharp. Nobody better be late. Mm -mm. So at this meeting, Soapy would take the podium and told the audience, Fellow citizens, (laughs) we are here to form a real committee. Not a half-baked, irresponsible committee such as the ones we've been hearing about. (laughs) We have the support of the business element of Skagway. Mm. We deplore present conditions here, which are not due to our own people, but due to the riffraff coming in from all parts of the world. Oh, natural-born Skagway citizen himself. We will protect our interests, even at the cost of our lives. We'll show them who is running this town. We will never permit outsiders to get control. We are the pioneers, the people who blazed the way. Got there seven years after the gold rush started, buddy. I know. 
He, I think he's only been here like two or three months. <laughs> <laughs> he's a fine I'm an original. Does anyone know if he was born here? I, I don't know. We just like what he does. I, I, he it's fine. Been, I don't know. <laughs> so the following day after the meeting, Soapy's committee posted another flyer that read, Public warning. <laughs> The body of men styling themselves the Committee of 101 are hereby notified that any overt act committed by them will be met promptly by the law-abiding citizens of Skagway, and each member and their property will be held responsible for any unlawful act on their part. Their property, too. Your carriages will be destroyed. <laughs> I don't know how you get flats on wood wheels, but you'll get them. <laughs> the Law and Order Committee of 303, that's three times as many, <laughs> will see that justice is dealt out to its fullest extent, and no blackmailers or vigilantes will be tolerated. Wow. This is like, for... A fucking outlaw. This is like the most passive aggressive. This is oh like some my, shit yeah. you'd see in the off in the office. Yes, yeah. like, this is what you would write when somebody didn't flush the toilet or yeah, something like that. They flushed their underwear in the or toilet. Sandra parked in your spot. Yeah. Oh yeah. my god! Employees, please do not park in this area. Or justice is there is reserved the parking extent. for a reason. <laughs> Every time we see somebody do that, we'd be like, you're being a real Soapy Smith right now. You know that? <laughs> <laughs> the fuck is Soapy Smith? And then you get fired, and yeah. the HR reason is slur, no, Soapy Smith. <laughs> we're gonna get fired, and then we're gonna say, no, we're not leaving. Then the oh, militia's coming my in. Oh god. That's why Mr. Davis is bringing in the cannons <laughs> yeah. and the Gatlings. <laughs> It'd be great if, like, he refused to do any modern technology. He wanted, like, the antique cannons and Gatling gun to come in there. On the train tracks, yeah. right? Above well, see, our, right here's there. the thing. You just have to lock Brad in your office and kind of poke <clears throat> him a few times with a stick and <clears throat> be like, it was them who was poking you and let him out. He, They're all doomed. That's true. He will be a powder man, guaranteed. He'll be no throwing question. dynamite no. off. He's no not question. throwing dynamite. He's throwing haymakers. <laughs> oh, oh, he's down and dirty. <laughs> he's snapping necks. Frontline Brad. <laughs> so we all know what that man looks like shirtless. Oh, yeah. I try to every day. <laughs> now, the really perplexing part was that even after Soapy and the other criminals were making threats towards the committee of 101, it seems that some of the petty criminals and conmen were scared enough of possible government interference that they would actually leave Skagway. Wow. Hmm. Of course, a man like Soapy was not going to run, hmm. and there were plenty of his gang members who stayed with him. So instead, he tried to clean up his image and and appear like a respectable citizen. He's See? very he's I, very fucking smart. He yeah. is. He is. Go ahead, Jordan. Well, I, I was going to make a joke, but it. Oh, I'm sorry. He needed the timing. This ah. man knows how to play the fucking politician, mm. and he knows when to play the strong arm military man. What would they? He's th- so smart. What would they say on crime sports? I'm good now. Oh yeah, yeah great. Oh yeah, good now. Good now. I'm, I'm good, good now. now. I'm good now. Sophie is good right where, now. Where was Sophie's grace moment? Where was his grace? Um, I think in Round Rock, Texas, after the... No, at the circus, after he got robbed right. by the shell guy. Right, grace. <laughs> that was his yeah. grace. Now we're at good now. <laughs> yes. Now, one of the ways that Soapy would accomplish this is by being overly generous. So the story goes that a new minister had just made his way to Skagway, hoping to spread the, the holy word of God. Mm. 
The minister, mm-hmm. <laughs> the minister just so happened to run into old Soapy Smith. Soapy asked the minister. You want a church? Being a man of the cloth and all, he wasn't about to turn this offer down. Hmm. Okay, it's yours. Just sit tight. <laughs> oh, thank you. So Soapy then proceeded to make rounds to shopkeepers, gamblers, saloon men, and the keepers of brothels, demanding contributions to the cause. Perfect. Oh, he would raise over $600, which he promptly gave to the minister. But this story isn't quite over yet. Mm. Later that night, a thief would sneak into the minister's tent and steal the box that contained the $600 Soapy had gave him. The following morning, the minister went up to Soapy and informed him of what had happened. Then Soapy excused himself for a moment, and when he returned, he had the box that contained the minister's money. Soapy said, Here's the money. I framed the whole thing. (laughs) I knew you were an innocent man and needed a lesson on being careful in a wild place like this. So I had one of my boys take the box away. Now go ahead and build your church, and when you need help, let me know. I'll back you. This is a smart con right here. He's the best. He's the best. (laughs) I'm going to give you money, then I'm going to rob you, then I'm going to tell you be careful because you get robbed. (laughs) Because I'll rob you again, (laughs) motherfucker. Now if you need help, let me know. (laughs) So apparently, this would be the first church to be erected in Skagway. Fuck, and they've been there a while. Yeah, they long Not him, time. but the no, originals. <laughs> it's funny because, like, if you're reading really deep into it, it's basically like Soapy kind of arrived, well, no, it's before he arrived, it's just tents, and then all of a sudden it's just, like, buildings and buildings, and they literally just build, be building uh, structures for, like, anything. Sure. Anything. Sure. <laughs> Your saloon could either be in a building or you'd go in someone's tent. One or the other, but you're still going to have the shit-paved roads, so... Yeah. Just moving roads everywhere. (laughs) So, Soapy would use techniques like this to help the citizens so they would kind of overlook his criminal activity, which obviously was not going to stop. Now, it might sound like the Committee of 101 was starting to clean up the town, and in some sense, they kind of were, but the reality is that, yes, some of the ruffians did leave, but it was still considered a very dangerous place and for the most part wasn't getting much better. Most reports continued saying that those who even set foot in town risked being assaulted or robbed. There were even reports that people were being murdered by thieves while on the trails just outside of town. So you're leaving town just trying to get to your fucking settlement? They'll fucking kill you. <laughs> Take your damn gold from you. Well, come back to town. So that would uh, be terrifying. That is, this is that literally they did that on uh, uh, Deadwood, right? Yep. They killed that guy to take yeah. his fucking claim. Like, and yep, and they killed that uh, the Squarehead family heading yeah, out of town yeah. for his money. Yeah. See, it's like this yeah, be a the, terrifying. Oh man, time. that stupid ass, the pompous ass dude who's married to the. Uh, What's her name? Or, the widow. Yeah, the widow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, yeah. that guy's so funny though. <laughs> do I have to call? Is he like? Do I have to call my Pinkerton buddies? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Please call your Pinkerton buddies. Go here. for it. <laughs> <laughs> now, as for Soapy, rumors say that at this time in his life, at least, he seemed to be opposed to violence and even tried to get those who committed violent acts or murder under control to some extent. Most of the most of the citizens weren't sure what to make of him. 
a criminal who seemed to have a little bit of a soft side. Mm. A Denver merchant named Joseph T. Cornsforth. Cornforth. <laughs> oh, what a name there. What's his name again? I think it's Cornforth. Joseph D. Cornforth. Is that, is that a Norwegian last name there? I believe so. Cornforth. <laughs> That's a super Norse. <laughs> I thought it was Kenyan. <laughs> <laughs> I bet it is. I bet it is. Known for their corn. <laughs> Now, Cornsforth knew Soapy from his time in Denver, and he said this. And whom do you suppose I ran across before I'd been in Skagway two hours? None other than the well-known suave townsman Soapy Smith. He had reached the height of his career and is the ruler of this great camp. He has mobilized a crowd of outlaws, the likes of which is not to be formed in the continental United States nor anywhere else for that matter. Anything short of murder goes here. And if it's murder, they call it suicide. <laughs> Soapy had the nerve to start a church, but he defends all criminals. What his game is is a mystery to me, but there is bound to be an end to it. His accounts at the merchant stores for provisions and fuel for the needy people here amount to several hundred dollars a week. He pays for the funerals of friendless persons, and I can assure you that is no small item. What are you going to make out of a character like that? See, that... That's insane, isn't it? Yeah. That is like, like if I saw someone doing that, I'd just be like, "Oh <laughs> shit, that's just a really nice person." That mm. Must be the nicest guy on earth. Can you imagine someone approaches you and be like, "Okay, we got a dead guy over there, and he has no friends. So can you can you get a funeral for him?" You don't want to, to be like the friendless dead guy. Not to talk about the Beatles, which got a got oh. me specifically in hot water with Bianca. Uh oh. But that one song is about that, right? Uh, Eleanor Rigby? That's right. Is it? I thought that song was about she was so devoted to the church like nobody liked her. I don't know. Eleanor, write us in. It made me sad, that song. It did. is a very sad it's song. It's a sad Man, All I'm going to say is the Beatles are overrated. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Were you not here for that? No. Oh, no, yeah, no, that's no, why that, they were here. Yeah, 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 because we were recording. And I haven't gotten through that episode yet. Mm. You well, son of a nice. bitch. I heard the intro. We work real hard on this fucking thing in this. <laughs> Now, around this time was the declaration of war between Spain and the United States. Right. Now, when the news reached Skagway, Soapy got the brilliant idea to form his own unit to fight against Spain. <laughs> so he called out for volunteers and eventually got enough applicants to fill out an entire company. Yeah. He would name the unit Skagway Guards. Yes. And believe it or not, it would gain official recognition with the War Department. Holy yo, shit. Yo, is this still a unit today? Is there still uh, like a Skagway I Guards? I don't know. That would be fucking rad. That'd be sweet. I'm, I'm, guessing, in the, I'm guessing in the town of Skagway, they have like some kind of plaque or something about it. If the, Man, if that was still it's, like an active unit, that would be so rad. Uh, but they would inform Soapy it would be impossible and impossible practical to put them into action oh. so <laughs> soapy i think it was more like it would be too hard to get them from alaska <laughs> down and then get them to fight but uh yeah. yeah like yeah. hey we appreciate the effort kid but uh your services won't be needed <laughs> yeah. this time apparently like they 
they're in the documents. The Skagway guards are in there. That's so. fantastic. Well, that that's is. great. They that way America knows that they're there for reserves. Do you do you think they were more likely to do that because of all the active militias around this time? Maybe. They're Maybe this like, is a good way to just like now I got a militia. Yeah, you're like I mean now I got a company of men. Hmm. So Soapy still would continue to have his Skagway guards train. Just in case. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right there, then. Yeah. So, a newspaper man from San Francisco named Edward F. Cahill heard about Skagway, Soapy, and the Skagway guards and wanted to see for himself if it was all true. So, he paid the town a visit. It seems Soapy left a good impression on him. Edward wrote this. The famous Soapy Smith is not a dangerous man. (laughs) He's not a desperado. He's not a scoundrel. He is not a criminal. He will fight to a very good purpose if he must, but he is not in the least quarrelsome. Cool in the face of danger, absolutely fearless, honorable in the (laughs) discharge of those obligations which he recognizes, generous with his money, and ever ready with a helping hand for a man or woman in distress. He bitterly resents the imputation that he is a thief and a vagrant. (laughs) Now, um, if this is crime in sports, that would be a fluff piece by a, uh, what do they call him? Silver middle-aged uh, white man? Yeah, yeah. Silver-haired middle-aged white man. <laughs> yeah, that was a fluff piece yep, right there. Definitely. <laughs> so Edward also got to witness Soapy perform his duties as the captain of the Skagway Guards, <laughs> whipping the crowd in a patriotic frenzy. Yeah. Edward then wrote some verses for the unit. It goes as follows. Sing it with me, boys. Ready? <laughs> okay. Skagway guards, where at he loosened from his belt and hit upon the bar the weapon which for several men had set the gates ajar. And Soapy Smith, the card shark, he drew an ivory handled butte and put it on the counter, and the crowd all followed suit. La la la, the muzzle of the daisy that took off the marshal's ear. Laid right right beside the weapon which which had punctured Rhino Pierre. (laughs) And nearby the gentle, inoffensive little thing that had wafted Bunko Charlie to the place where angels sing. Then so beast with the card shark staying near him on a chair. Observe when Spain got to the coast, you'll find a welcome there. Ha ha. We'll We'll box box those guns guns and ship them by the first boat on the run. To President McKinley, who resides in Washington. And in the history book, (laughs) we'll read the nation's proudest boast. Now Skagway men send Skagway guns to save the eastern coast. It's being the one town where men made sacrifice sublime Because their cutting country build the coast defense in time Yes Thank you, Edward What was his name? Edward Cahill Edward Cahill Cahill Why do I say Cahill? I don't know, there's a whole street named after I know, we we used to go there all the time The vape shop is Oh, yeah (laughs) Now, so, everyone email us at bumblebookpodcast at gmail.com to receive your free cotton to absorb your the uh, blood coming out of your ears. Yeah, that. you're going to need it. You're going to need I the I was going to say, Jordan, Drew needs to make a song 
Those be the <laughs> verses right there. Can you imagine that? It's like a fucking metal song. Dude, it sounds badass. like something Amon Amarth would sing. Skagway Guards? Like, <laughs> yeah. fuck yeah. Or That's... Sabaton. Oh, yes. I could see either. Hell yeah. Write an email to them. Do Come they on. have email? Yeah, I've just got yeah. their personal emails. Amonamarth you know? at gmail.com. <laughs> so, to take his patriotism to another level, Soapy would even plan a 4th of July celebration in Skagway, which included fireworks, colored lights, flags, and miles of bunting. What the fuck is bunting? I had to Google this. It's the... The the triangle things. It's like the the banners that look like fans. Gotcha, gotcha. I was I asked that too. I'm like, what the fuck is that? And then I looked on. Oh, okay. You see them outside grocery stores all yep. the time. Oh, I yeah. mean, the only thing yeah. I could think of, like off the top of the dome, was bunt cake. So yeah, I was like, they have miles of bunt cake. I mean, I that would be great. That wouldn't that be sweet to see like a mile of bunt cake <laughs> just, just lay in there, eat it Hell down yeah, the dude. road. <laughs> Evil Knievel will jump over it. Oh. <laughs> or no, Guy Fury will jump over yeah. it. I see that's more appropriate. No, he wouldn't make it. He yeah. wouldn't make it far. <laughs> So in the parade, Soapy rode in the honored position of Grand Marshal on his gray horse. Yeah. Little did Soapy know, this will be the last 4th of July July he will ever celebrate. Don't tell me that. On the morning of July 8th, 1898, a man named John Douglas Stewart arrived in Skagway after returning from his claim in the Klondike. He had managed to prospect about $2,600 worth of gold, which is roughly $80,000 today. Ooh, buddy. He did okay for himself, I'd say. Uh, yeah, that's a good day's work. <laughs> yes. Now, he would carry his gold in a canvas pouch along with $87 in cash. Mm. For safekeeping, he would place his gold and cash in a safe of a local store and rented a room until he could board a steamer and get the fuck out of Alaska. Perfect. Get out of Skagway. <laughs> Around 10 a.m. the following morning, Douglas came across Reverend Bowers and Slim Jim Foster, mm. both members of Soapy Smith's gang. Mm. They swooned him a little bit and then convinced him, hey, try your hand at three-card Monty. Hey, we take gold, too. <laughs> it ain't just cash. Put your yeah. gold up. The man dealing the cards was named Van B. Triplett, mm. obviously another member of the gang. With a name like that, yes. <laughs> yes. With Rip Dixon not, and all the other ones. Is, yeah. is that not his birth name, you don't think? I don't know if Van <laughs> B. Triplett is, though. So it didn't take Douglas too long to lose all of his money he had on him. So Van Triplett offered to lend him more to bet with if he could prove he had the means to pay it back. Douglas later recalled what happened next. I told Foster I should hold him for the money, and the old man, Van Triplett, said we acted as if we could not trust him and gave some of the money back. And then he said he would give us a chance to win it all back. So Foster turned the right card, and Triplett started (laughs) to give him the money, but said, Supposing you had bet that in earnest, did you have the money to put up? Foster said, no. And turning to me, said, You have the money. I said, No, I did not have any money and that he took it all. But he said, You have some dust. <laughs> he wanted me to get it just to show the old man that we had the money in case the bet had been a real one. Bowers and I went to Kaufman's store to get the money, and Van Triplett and Foster remained behind us. 
We came back with the dust, and I unrolled it and showed them the sack. And, and showed it to him as he didn't know gold dust when he sees it. Mm, I don't believe that. But I did not open <laughs> but I did not open it and was just about to roll it up again when Foster grabbed it, handing it to the old man and said Yep. Go on, yep. <laughs> and I started to grab the old man when they held me and said if I made a noise it would not be well for me. I pulled away from them and started after the old man. But could not see him and then went across the street and asked a man where there was an officer that I had been robbed of $3,000 by some men over there. Ooh. Ooh. That was a strong arm. Yeah, he got robbed of a lot of fucking money. He said, yep. go on, get. Yeah. I love that quote. Get! Get out of here! G-I-T! Exclamation point. I remember writing that. I was like, that is Jordan's favorite fucking YouTube video of that hillbilly. Oh, yeah. She's on the main So, And I was like, get away from here! Get! Get! And he went right on up that path there. <laughs> so Douglas would speak to Deputy U.S. Marshal Sylvester S. Taylor, mm. who of course was on Soapy's payroll, but told Douglas if he remained quiet, he would see what he could do to get his money back. Real slick-like. As expected, Sylvester didn't do anything, no. but Douglas just continued telling literally everybody he could find in town, but that didn't do too much either. That's some uh, impotent, like, injustice rage right yeah. there. Oh. When you know you've been wronged, but there's nothing anybody can will do about it because they're all in on it. Mm. I bet they're all like, well, you're a fucking moron. Why Don't be taking fuck? a sack full of gold out and showing anybody. To a th- goddamn three-card Monty <laughs> yeah. dealer. Yeah. yeah. Dumb shit you named Van B. $3,000 in that sack. Don't be concerned about the 87 you just lost. No, no absolutely. Let that run. So then Douglas went to the nearby town of Dia and spoke with U.S. Commissioner Charles A. <laughs> Charles A. Silbreed, who would agree to investigate the robbery. Now, when Soapy found this out, he went to several residents and merchants telling them all that Douglas had lost his money in a legitimate card game. Or get ahead of it. <laughs> yes. He even told several businessmen in town that if no complaints were made by the newspapers or authorities, he would return the gold. Mm. On top of that, he promised to make sure that nobody returning from the Klondike would be fucked with. No. It appears that Soapy kind of had a change of heart. Even though... His own men tried to convince him to give up those involved in the robbery. He still wouldn't do it. A reporter told Soapy if he didn't return the gold, there was going to be trouble. (laughs) Soapy told him, By God, trouble is what I'm looking for. What a fucking badass. Oh, he's losing it. (laughs) He's losing it. So soon Sailbreed would arrive and demand that Soapy return the gold. A reporter who witnessed the events, reported that Soapy told Sailbreed, The boys who had the money wanted in a fair game, and they should keep it. He also said he had a hundred men who would stand behind him and see that they were protected. The judge finally told him he could not afford to stand up for a gang (laughs) of thieves, but he almost screamed. Well, judge, declare me in with the thieves. I'll stay with them. 
And with that, he passionately beat the table with his fists and left the room. So I'm gay. I was kind of <laughs> <Like> a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of confused about this. In the old time, did they literally just? You didn't have to go to a courtroom. A judge like came out and kind of like talked with them. That's kind of what and it sounded like. And then they can like. hit the table and leave. Yeah, I guess. Well, judge ain't gonna fuck with a hundred people behind him. That's a very good point. Them, That's know, a not very gonna... solid point. <laughs> I mean, they are the Law and Order Committee of 303. 303. You don't fuck with the 303. You don't do it. With that, they issued the necessary warrants to arrest Soapy and his gang members. Oh, I love it. Silbury told those assisting with the arrest... Alive if possible, but dead if necessary. Ooh. Now, it seemed with the following event, the town had reached a boiling point... With Soapy and his gang, and they wanted them gone. Mm-hmm. So that pesky committee decided to take action in action into their own hands. Hey, the body gets a temperature in order to fight infection and clear it <laughs> out, clear the toxins. That's out. what they're doing here. That's what this is, man. We're reaching a boiling point here. They first would hold a meeting at the Golden North Hotel, led by Thomas Witten. Then they held another meeting meeting at the. Juno Wharf. Now, at the wharf, there were four men acting as guards to keep the peace. They were Frank H. Reed, apparently the only one armed with a thirty-eight, mm. Josias Martin Tanner, Jesse Murphy, and John Landers. Mm. Around 9 p.m., Soapy was just hanging out inside the saloon when one of his gang members handed him a note that read, The crowd is angry. If you want to do anything, do it quick. Ooh. With that, Soapy grabbed his Winchester rifle and cold double-action revolver and headed for the wharf with around six or seven of his men. I bet it's a Colt Navy double-action. You think so? I bet you. I bet it was a sweet fucking gun. You bet your dick. (laughs) Winchester repeater and a Colt double-action, I'll take it. He ain't playing, dude. Mm -mm. This is literally a Winchester Model 97. Well, then I'll cry. Well, that's... that's Tears of joy. That's what I have. I feel like you can... What? Where? At my dad's house. Give me it. <laughs> Let me have Leave it. Leave for action 30-30, baby. Oh, my God. Oh, it's so fun. Do you want to go to the range with me? Yes. We got to go to Oakdale. No, let's say, does he want to, do you want to get involved in a game of three-card Monty for your gun, by the way? No. Hey, show me where you keep the gun, uh, we'll and I'll see if you're good for it. We'll play a quick card game. Yeah. <laughs> so, when Soapy arrived at the wharf, he had his rifle slung over his shoulder and told the gang members to hang back. While Soapy started walking down the wharf, John Landers told him to turn around and get off the dock. Go on, get. But Soapy just kept walking. So Landers jumped off the dock onto the beach that was six feet below. Oh, he's going to oh, flank him. I think oh. he shit his pants on his way down <laughs> The next two men Soapy passed... Josias and Jesse literally were too afraid, apparently, to try to tell him to stop. And he just walked right past them. But Frank Reed spotted Soapy and yelled, Halt! You can't go down there! But Soapy didn't stop until he was face to face with Reed. The story goes that Soapy then swung his rifle off his shoulder and attempted to strike Reed with it. Some claim that Soapy was going to shoot him... And some say that he was just trying to, like, knock him out of the way. hit him with the butt. Mm -hmm. But we don't know for sure. Reed managed to block the barrel of the gun with his arm, causing it to cut his arm. Wow. Reed then grabbed the barrel, 
pushed it towards the ground. In the meantime, Reed had managed to draw his pistol and fired, but it didn't fire due to a faulty cartridge. Mm. Soapy then took this opportunity to get his rifle back. The story goes that both of them then fired at at each other at almost the exact same time, Mm. followed by an estimated five to nine shots. Reed would be shot in the leg, but managed to fire two shots, one grazing Soapy's right arm and the other going through his left thigh just above the kneecap. Mm -hmm. Ooh, that sounds so painful. (laughs) That does sound good. Yeah. Sounds like you can hit a a fucking artery. (laughs) I think so. So obviously, with shots ringing out, Soapy's gang members were running to his aid, but one of the guards, Jesse Murphy, got there first. He grabbed Soapy's rifle and proceeded to shoot him right through the heart. Whoa. And he died almost oh, instantly. Jesse's not fucking around. No, well, he no. That's They're a cheap sick shot. Of that's a cheap shot, Yeah, dude. it is. He's down. He's he, prostrate. He was shot twice, yeah. and he goes up and puts a gun right on his heart and fucking takes him out. Yeah. So, a standoff would occur between the guards and Soapy's gang. But it just so happened the, the committee's meeting was just ending and they began to approach the scene of the shooting. No other shots would be fired and the gang would flee the scene. Reed would survive another 12 days before finally dying of his injuries. As no surprise, Soapy's criminal empire quickly fell apart and the vigilance committee ended up rounding up the three men responsible for the gold theft and would recover almost all the gold wow. minus $600 worth. Wow. All so, right. pretty good. The three men would be found guilty and serve time at San Quentin Prison. Soapy officially died on July 8th, 1898, and ironically, he is buried just outside of Skagway, Alaska. Right outside, huh? Yeah, he's. I guess he is a permanent resident now. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yes. But uh, yeah, that's the uh, that's the end of Soapy Smith. It's kind of uh, you don't expect him to go down that way, but I, I did. I thought it was going to be a little bit larger scale of a shootout, but yeah, this is the way say, I wanted it. I thought it was going to be more I glorious. Know. It's it's more like go down in a hail of gunfire <laughs> instead of just like. Bang, bang, bang. I imagine Whoa. they're on a wharf. It's like an old school. Yeah, like a little dock. Yeah, and it's like sunset, and they're facing off, and uh, then just like shooting from the hip. Just no. <laughs> no. That's it, what they're doing. That's I mean, what they did. Reed wanted to be a tough boy. They fought. I think Soapy tried to hit him. He mm-hmm. blocked him, and then pushed his gun down, and he shot, and he shot. Like, there's reports from witnesses saying that they could see fire shooting at the exact same time. I love it. So that's like rifle that's and pistol. That's so. fantastic. Yeah. I'm a big fan of this. <laughs> little bitch oh, yeah. ass Jeffy. Jeff. <laughs> Jesse. Jumping off the goddamn. No, to, the John Landers. Right. Can hey, you, don't come over here. You're <laughs> <laughs> six feet jumping off it like a little bitch. My God. But uh, Soapy was fucking uh, brave. Just All marched right through him. He didn't give a shit. Yeah. All the way. Um, I don't know if I'd really say. I mean, would you call him an evil man? I'd call him a dick bag, thief <laughs> yeah. dick yeah, bag. Yeah, I don't know if I'd yeah. call him evil. No, because he, I mean, I mean, maybe he killed people. I don't know, but it doesn't doesn't sound like he killed innocent people like his gang members did. He's yeah. still a cocksucker. He is. I mean, he he is. fucked a lot of people. Over. <laughs> he is. Uh, I don't like him, but I love him as a romantic Western man. Did you see a picture of him? 
He's very, very classy looking gentleman. Mm-hmm. I saw him I on the think. Instagram. He yeah, looked distinguished. Yeah. He is. He's very cute. Doesn't look like a goddamn ranch hand. I'll <laughs> no. tell you that much. I, I don't. Did I cut it off where he signed his name? It looked like a little kid wrote his name. Oh, really? <laughs> but it, like obviously during the time, that's how their penmanship sure. was. So. <laughs> right. Fucking great job, Cody. Oh, like, yeah. This two parter. This is one of my favorites. Hell yeah, yeah. I was, was so enraptured. Great. I didn't even know where we were at some point. <laughs> I like lost the plot Dude. completely. Like, I think you've changed my mind. The Wild West is amazing. It's fucking oh, yeah. so full. good. Mwah. Oh, it's so good. I love you, Wild West. And if you love the Wild West, you can tell us why at bumblebuttpodcast at gmail.com. What's that, Adam? Bumblebuttpodcast at gmail.com. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at bumblebuttpod and on Facebook and Instagram at bumblebuttpodcast. We do have personal Instagrams. Mine is at bumbleadam. Jordan's at j.j.fox. And Cody's at Cody Zabub. Also, we have a Patreon. Hell Please yeah. donate there and get mm. the Faustmas print. Oh yeah, this month's print. You can do that until probably, let's just fucking <clears throat> say January seventh again. Yeah, that'll be the cutoff. Where our goal is to basically have a monthly print that mm. we can send to people. So mm-hmm. I kind of have an idea cooking in my head for next next month. So. For the new year, fantastic. Yep. yep, we're coming up on our fucking two year anniversary as well, know, aren't we? You know what that means? Holy shit! We're you know close. what that means? We're getting close to a hundred. I know that much. You know what episode hundred we promised it was gonna be? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. We gotta oh, do yeah. it. Absolutely. We gotta do it. There's no question about it. Oof. So it's if you don't good. know what it is, you gotta listen to the old episodes and find yeah. out what we're talking yeah. about. Pump up our fucking numbers, <laughs> and after you pump up our numbers and our egos, please leave us a review because it's time for the most important Hell part yeah. of the show. At least if you ask Cody, the iTunes reviews. Yeah, uh, as far as I saw, we saw we got one more uh, non-written review. Yep. Thank you so much to Thank you. whoever you are. It's 111. Yep. We just need, what, uh, 89. 89 more mm. to our next milestone. That's so correct. And remember, the threat is still mm. there. The threat is still there. Jordan is still a threat. Even <laughs> married, he's still a threat. Listen. <laughs> Someone sends in a written, the threat disappears for a week. One right. week of we'll safety. We'll see how it goes. But hey, for Jordan's wedding present, give him, give us like 25-star reviews yeah. in like one week. That's hey, all yeah, that be Next time, make us do a whole fucking podcast where all we do is read five-star reviews. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Not for the listeners, but it would be no. good for us. It would yeah. really stroke my ego real good. Yep. I'm, I'm going to assume people who leave the review listen to hear us read their review people who don't probably turn it off i'm hoping that people realize that uh our personalities are why they should come here yeah yeah totally all right well everybody that's so good and we've been bumblebutt podcast i've been adam that's been jordan thank you jordan happy wedding tomorrow brother thank you adam that's been cody thank you cody thank you adam and thank you all for listening and as always have a nice weekend unless it's tuesday Swiggity swooty, I'm locking down that booty. Whoa. <laughs>